Wow. <clears throat> well, there's a, uh, a holy hush in the room. If you've never felt that, it's called the Holy Spirit. And uh, sometimes I see some of this foolishness on television, and I get to wondering, what are they doing? And then I see, I watch you when I'm sitting there, and I watch how the Lord is moving. And sometimes we have a glory, hallelujah, shouting time, and then sometimes God wants to speak directly to our hearts, and things are a little bit more quiet. But uh, that sense of the holy presence of God can't be replaced by anything in this entire world. So... Last week, I talked about the, the ancient message to a modern audience. This week, I want to talk to you about the ancient message revealed. Find 1 Corinthians and find chapter 2 and verse number 6. And this really is about 10 or 15 verses, but we're going to deal with three this morning probably is all I'm going to have time to get to. I, I, I mean, my heart is just moved by this. It is the truth that's here is I've just been dying to get to this passage. And so it, it's just magnificent. I can't deal with it all at one time, but uh, I'm going to just focus in right here on this. And so let's look in 1 Corinthians in uh, chapter 2 and verse number 6. I'm going to read a good portion of it, but we're going to deal with the first uh, 6, 7, and 8. However... This is the however there is because Paul has talked about the message before this. And he talks about man's wisdom and God's wisdom. And he tells us why man's wisdom isn't any good. And Paul says, I didn't come to you with flowery speech. I didn't come to you with anything from Athens to Corinth that was worth giving you. I gave you Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the message. And we're not going to change it. This is what we're doing. He says, the, the message is so awesome, and it's been hidden since the beginning of time. However, he says, however, we do speak a wisdom, not man's wisdom, but we speak a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined. Before the ages for our glory. Hang on to that. For your glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom. For if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what eye did not see and what ear did not hear. And what never entered the human mind, God prepared this for those who love him. Now, this is a... a <laughs> We all know this because you're in a body. I speak to human beings today, even if you're saved. We have and know the characteristics of God. But the things that we know about God are different than uh, some of the, the things that the Lord puts on our hearts that we live with each and every day. Let me explain. We know what peace is, but Jesus said, I give you my peace. It's not as the world gives. This is different. Because we're in these human bodies, we don't understand peace. We don't understand love. God's love is unconditional. As much as we try to have unconditional love, we have a hard time. Why does that have such a hard time? Because we're depraved. We come into this world as sinners separated from God. Our flesh has been tainted because of the fall. We, we know what joy and happiness is, but we get the two mixed up. We know what joy is, but our joy can't last. But Jesus is our joy, 
And I want to say to you that wisdom is the same way. We think we understand wisdom, but in this passage, the Lord has shown me another passage that I have not understood for years and how the Word of God explains the Word of God. The best commentary on the Word of God is the Word of God. And through another passage, this passage, God has taught me what this other passage is. Today, I'm talking about the wisdom of God. Proverbs chapter 8 gives us a great example of what the wisdom of God is all about. Now, we think old information passed down through generations is wisdom, and that is wisdom. And so uh, when, when you go and try to learn a trade, you learn from other people that know the trade. That's wisdom. They're giving you the wisdom that they have. Uh, when you start a new project, you have to learn how to do it. You learn from other people. Your parents give you their wisdom. But when we speak about spiritual wisdom... We have to be very careful because right here in the Scripture, we're going to learn the greatest example of wisdom that's ever been given. And this passage absolutely just blows my mind. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 8, it speaks so beautifully about all of wisdom and what it is. Wisdom is the proper use of knowledge, but it goes way much deeper than that. Listen, for I have worthy things to say to you. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is truth, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. He says, I, wisdom, I dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech, counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have understanding and I have have power. So we know even through Proverbs 8 and just through life, you know what wisdom really is. In verse 22 of Proverbs 8, it says, The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. Before his deeds of old, I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. Wisdom was one of the first things that God brought forth. And let me tell you, until you learn this principle, you will not understand wisdom. Wisdom is not a thing. Wisdom is a person. And wisdom was with God in the beginning. Jesus Christ has always been. Verse 30 says, Then I was the craftsman at his side. How could a thing be beside the the Lord God? It wasn't a thing, it was a person. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Jesus was there delighting in the beauty of God's wisdom and creation. Now listen very, very carefully to these next few verses. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction. Be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway, for whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself, and all who hate me love death. You see, how could just not having a little bit of wisdom cause death? Because the scriptures are not talking about a thing. They are talking about a person. And if you don't have the wisdom of God in the plan of salvation, you'll be eternally lost. 
Wisdom was with God in the beginning. But when you find true wisdom, when you find Jesus, what you find is life and favor. The word favor in the Old Testament and the New Testament is grace. So if you have Jesus this morning, you have found favor and grace with the Lord. Wisdom, that great redneck theologian, says this, Jerry Gray. Wisdom manifests the mind of God. And you're going to see in the text today that the greatest display of the wisdom of God is in the plan of salvation. That's a big statement I just told you right there. Wisdom has been described as the, the proper use of knowledge. That's a good explanation. Brother Bobby Brooks taught me that. As a matter of fact, Bobby is with the Lord today. Proper use of knowledge, that's good. You may have the knowledge of something. You can bring me a lot of parts about a spaceship. As a matter of fact, I've read a book, 800-page book, on the, on the making of the atomic bomb. I'm telling you, it's one of the most fascinating books I've ever read. And I have the knowledge of how they built that bomb. You could bring me all the parts, and I'd never be able to put it together. I have the understanding, and I have the wisdom, but can't put it together. So I have the knowledge, I have the pieces, I have everything, can't put it together. Why? Because I don't understand it. So now, everything there is a little bit secular. It falls apart. But wisdom is manifested in the mind of God in creation. When you look at creation, you say, man, look at the wisdom of God. Man, God is awesome. That's what we call general revelation. General revelation is not good enough to save you. It's a good enough to condemn you, but not to save you. You need specific revelation of the Holy Spirit to be saved. We have science there. Uh, oh, people are always telling us what science can do and what it can do. Let me just tell you, without God's wisdom, science is absolutely nothing. It's useless. What we, what we literally need we, we need the understanding of God and what God is doing. We have, we have wisdom in theology. We have wisdom in history. And any other area that you can think of, you can't get away from that without understanding the wisdom of God. The greatest manifestation of God's wisdom was in salvation. Now, you listen very carefully to this. Even better than science, better than theology, better than creation, God's wisdom the greatest display of the mind of God is in the plan of salvation. You say, Brother Jerry, I'm not sure about that. Well, I'm going to prove it to you, so just hang in there with me for a few minutes, okay? The plan of salvation is not only brilliant, but it's absolutely beautiful. There is not an entity in all of creation that could have thought of this plan. No one could have been able to complete the plan, get it started. The Lord not only he came up with the plan, he created it, he produced it, and planned it. And not only did he do that, he did it before anything was created, before you were created, the plan of salvation was literally in place. God has revealed and is still revealing the truth about his plan for salvation to man. One day there will be people who will stand before the Lord and say, you can't send me to hell, I didn't know anything about this. Well, I want to tell you, from eternity past, the plan of salvation has been in operation. From the moment, I mean, at, I mean from the beginning, there, I can't even say, I almost said from the moment of its conception. There is no moment of the conception of the plan of salvation because it is eternal because it was in the mind of God. Do you see what I'm saying? That's how important you are 
to God, that he planned your salvation before you got here, and the plan has never not existed because it's been in the mind of God. God has continued to reveal it. God will be effective in delivering the message. We need this text in this scripture today, this morning, so that you will understand what God has done in the wisdom and how awesome the plan of salvation is. We've narrowed it down very simply to a a few words that we get someone who is under conviction and we lead them in a prayer to receive Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you this is so deep, it's not even as deep as a well. It's deep as eternity. Wisdom, the true definition of wisdom. Wisdom can be anything that reveals the truth about the mind of God that drives us to righteousness. This wisdom of God in the heart and in the mind of God from eternity past has been trying to get mankind to understand this beautiful plan of salvation for man. It drives us to want this righteousness. These first few chapters uh, help us to understand what Paul was teaching in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10 and 11. The passage that has been such an enigma to me for over all of these years. And so let's, before I keep going, let me put this in context for you. Paul goes in the first four chapters. You remember they were arguing about who was the best preacher. Was it Apollos? Was it the apostle Peter? Was it Paul? Was it someone else? Who was the, somebody even got so holy and says, oh, well, I'm following Jesus. And Paul has, listen, if you don't think this is important, you listen very carefully to your pastor. This is better than tomorrow's newspapers. This is where mankind is right now, today, in most of the colleges and universities and and even elementary and high school now, that God is stupid, the plan of God is stupid, and we're just a bunch of dumb Southerners who are believing that. And they're teaching the greatest foolishness that man could ever believe. And Paul says, listen, don't put your faith and trust in the apostle Peter, not in Barnabas, not in me. It is in the wisdom of God. That's where your heart should be. It's so important that Paul used four chapters. Find me something else in the Word of God where the writer takes four chapters to explain himself. You can be hard-pressed to do that. Paul takes four chapters to do this. Listen very carefully. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10, it says this. His intent was that now, he's talking about the church, through the church. See, I didn't understand this. His intent, when the writer says his intent, he's telling us this was the purpose that was in God's heart for the church. So you want to know what your church is supposed to be doing? Preacher, preacher that may stumble by on the internet and listen to this, you're trying to come up with every reason and plan and program known to man to run your church. And God tells you what to do right here. His intent through the church, it was intent that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me tell you why I didn't understand that passage. Because all this time I've been thinking, Well, we have fellowship, we have discipleship, we have Bible study, we have worship, we have all of these things going on. And Lord, how does that fit into this passage? It doesn't. 
And then here, when you get to this passage in 1 Corinthians 2, 6 and following, he explains Ephesians 3, 10 for us. The commentary on the Bible comes from the Bible. The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Paul is, Paul is explaining Ephesians 3.10 right here. He's saying to us, listen, that, that the Lord created the church to display the manifold wisdom of God. And, and now I'm about to explain to you what the manifold wisdom of God is. It's the plan of salvation. So if you're doing church without the plan of salvation, you're not doing church. To the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. Can you see the cherubim and the seraphim? Can you see the 24 elders in heaven right now? Can, can you see all the creatures that God has made in heaven? To, God literally has made creatures in heaven to praise his name 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. There's not been a time in all eternity that there wasn't something praising the name of our God. And he says, I, I made the intent of the church to, to display the manifold wisdom of God. And I can see the cherubim up there now. Woo! Go, Brother Jerry. Look at that church down in Wood Lake. Look at that church across the town. Boy, could you imagine him, all the, the, the people in the realms and the powerful realms in heaven looking down at the church and saying, look at them go. They're displaying the manifold wisdom of God. You all right? That'd be good, wouldn't it? I witnessed to someone yesterday, and my heart is literally broken. Because the person said to me, I have no use for church. I have no reason to give my life to Jesus. And this will be a person that one day could come before the Lord and not understand this person is lost. Why? Because our society now has no reason to understand the manifold wisdom of God. How do you reach somebody like that? God, help us. I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. Now look at verse number 6. The wisdom of his God is not like man's wisdom. It's easy enough to understand the context of Paul's statement in verse number 6. Paul says he did not come to them with impressive or brilliant speech. He says his goal was to reveal the wisdom of God in salvation. So if we could get some preachers in the pulpit that literally would finally get over their self and their fame and their fortune and how important they are and start worrying about the people in the pews and the lostness of humanity, we could start seeing revival in America. But until that happens, they're more concerned about selling tapes than anything else. Paul didn't want to simply impress. Paul wanted men to be saved. Paul said, we did speak a word of wisdom, but it was not the worldly wisdom that you possess. Paul spoke a word of wisdom that was understood by seeing the Spirit's power. I pray with everything that's in me that God would set my flesh aside and that the, the power of the gospel would come and plant seeds this morning. He says that man's wisdom is coming to nothing. Why would I bring man's wisdom to this pulpit? The word for nothing means to abolish. It means to cease. It means to destroy, to fail or vanish or lose. It means to be without effect. If I bring man's plan to you, it doesn't have any effect. No one will be saved. But there is something that will help us to be saved. It's the message of God. It is the blood of Jesus. Will you sing with me? 
the blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. The blood, I can't hear y'all, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. It never loses its power. The wisdom of God in the plan of salvation is just as good today as it was before it came into existence in our hearts. Why does the modern preacher think that he needs some new approach? He needs some new message? Jesus spoke to Pilate, and they brought Jesus in to speak to Pilate. He was trying to get out of crucifying him, and Jesus, he asked Jesus all these questions. He said, I hear that you're a king. Jesus says, yes, I'm a king. And then Jesus went on to explain where he came from. He said, oh, so you are a king. He said, yeah, but my kingdom's not of this world. And then they got to talking about truth. And Jesus says, you're right in saying I'm a king. In fact, the reason that I was born and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Pilate said, what is truth? Very powerful man. Very powerful man. Knowing that Jesus' life was in his hands. But he didn't know what truth was. You know why I know that? Because he was talking the truth. I am the way and the truth. See, truth is not a thing. Truth is a person. Paul speaking, uh, Peter speaking as he preached after the day of Pentecost, said, Brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders. What did he say? You acted in ignorance. You did this because you didn't know any better. The ignorance of men keeps them in darkness. Man's wisdom keeps men in darkness. Jesus was on the cross. You finish this statement for me. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And how are they going to know if we don't tell them? If man's wisdom is so intelligent, then why did they crucify the Son of God? And even if you say, well, Brother Jerry, it was God's plan for that to happen, then if you know that it's God's plan, then why won't you accept him today? What is taking you so long? What will it take? God's people say amen. If, if you're disappointed in Jesus after giving your heart to him, say amen. Well, Y'all are paying attention, aren't you? Let it go on the record that nobody said they were disappointed in Jesus. Pa Amen. <laughs> Paul does indicate a spiritual maturity that exists among people who have grown to recognize God's wisdom. And we should all strive to do that. The rulers of this world are literally coming to nothing. Verse number 7. The plan and the revelation of God was manifested at just the right time. Paul calls this the mystery of the plan. And the Greek word is mysterion. You should know that word because I, in the last five books I've preached, it's been in every one of those books, and I've said the word mysterion. It's the word mystery. And you remember in Proverbs 8, the Lord brought me forth as the first of his words before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity from the beginning before everything. He was appointed, but now the mystery has been made known. 
if, if this truth about the wisdom of God is true, and it is true, then we know that the plan for our redemption is not plan B, it is plan A. Look at verse number 7. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. If it was predestined, <laughs> it'd been here a while. Y'all right? So if it's been predestined from all eternity, why would a man preach the gospel and try to change it? Why would you think that the message is not good for today? Y'all all right? Salvation is and always has been under God's control. It doesn't matter what your theology is. So the Calvinist and the Reformed folks are getting nervous about this. And if I use the word predestined, y'all get nervous about it. I want to tell you, it's God's word, and that's God's word. God used it. And you just, I need to explain to you what it actually means, and so you'll understand it. If man's intelligence is useless to help him find God, then what are we going to do? We need the message of God's wisdom. Now, how many of you know Romans 8, 28? All things, let me get you started. All things work together for good to them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. What's the context of that passage? Oh, wow, this is going to get good. What's the context of the passage? You're going to say, well, it just helps me through my daily life. When something happens to me, I know that no matter how bad it is, it helps me get through life. Now, that's not the context of it. That is true because it's from start to finish. Listen to verse number 29. The context is salvation. Listen to verse 29. For those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. Here's what it means. All the circumstances in your life, when God begins to call you and reveal the message of wisdom to you, all the circumstances will work out right without ever violating your free will for God to call you into salvation so that you can see the plan and the wisdom of God. And then if he does that, here's where Romans 8.28 comes in in the circumstances of your life. If he predestined you, he called you. He will call you. And then it's up to you to respond. Now, that's where I differ from the Calvinists. It's your responsibility to get saved. And then once you're called and you receive Jesus, you're justified. And then when you're justified, you're glorified. We're going to heaven. And so this plan of salvation, as we find it here, it was hidden. It was a mystery, but God revealed it. God is the creator, the initiator, the provider, the builder, and the securer of the plan of salvation. It is the most beautiful plan that ever could have been. Who do you know, any entity, power in the universe that could have had this plan from eternity past, brought it to existence, brought it to a place where man would even crucify the Son, not even know what they were doing? Paul says if they had known what they were doing, they wouldn't have done it. How ironic is that? You being lost, 
If you look right over in chapter 2 and verse 14, right in our same passage in verse 14, we'll get to next week. He said, the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're, because they're spiritually discerned. God took this, this hidden message of wisdom about the plan of salvation, revealed it to you. You didn't want anything to do with it. Man's wisdom could care less about it. And even still today, they, they call it stupid. They laugh at us for receiving the message. Why? Paul tells us why. Because they're natural. They're not born again. They can't receive the spiritual truth that's in the Word. The truth has been revealed. The word here hidden is apocrypto. We get our word cryptic from the word crypto. God revealed it through the ages. God has kept hidden the mystery of the plan until it was the proper time. You say, proper time? Brother Jerry, what you mean? Listen, Romans 5, 6, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Proper time. 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. The rapture, the second coming, all these truths in the Scripture have a proper time. You say, boy, I wish I would have gotten saved when I was younger. You wouldn't have got saved when you were younger. You got saved when God revealed the message to you. His timing is perfect. And now you know what's holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. What's holding him back? Many, many times is God's holding him back. Many times we think, oh, when the church is raptured, then, then, the, uh, then the Antichrist will be revealed. No, what's holding him back? When it fits into God's plan for salvation, for, for lost man. Paul says that all of this was ordained. It was predestined. So we have this big fight over this word predestined. Well, let me tell you what the word is, and then you'll see it's not a bad word. It's a good word. It's pro-horizo, pro-horizo. In Latin, in English, in anything else, the prefix P-R-O means before. And then horizo, we get a word horizon from that. And so literally before the horizons, from east to west, the limit from horizon to horizon, it means ordained. It means before time. How far is the east from the west? One scarred hand to the other. Amen. That's what Mark Hall says. What a beautiful song. Meaningful. I want to tell you from horizon to horizon, as far as you can go to the west and as far as you can go to the east, God had your name in heaven and he called you unto Jesus Christ. That is a magnificent plan, my friend. And, and, and how in the world could thousands of years before you ever came into this on this earth, could he have literally made all things work together for good through his predestined will, through his predestined sovereignty, so that you would have the opportunity to receive Jesus? That is a display of some wisdom, if you'll ask me. And listen, some of you are going to disagree with this, but I've got some scripture for you that will help you. Now I want you to look right there in the text there's the word our. This is the word I looked. It's in the text. It's not an addition. It's not an emendation. It's not a textual variant. It's in the manuscripts in every one of them. And the little Greek word is humon. It's a personal plural pronoun. It's a genitive pronoun, and it means our. 
And all this was done for what, re- for what reason? Look in the text. For your glory, for our glory. You say, Brother Jerry, we can't share in God's glory. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that you can't take God's glory. But if he shares it with you, that's a different story. <laughs> I am about to have a spell right now, I'm going to tell you. See, because you've been taught, and it's a good thing that you were taught this. Don't try to get God's glory. Give God glory for everything. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. But when he shares his glory with you, it's a different story. And see, when y'all die, where are you going? You going where? I thought, you, I thought some old Baptist would say, you know, every time I preach, somebody will come by and say, boy, that was a good message, Brother Jerry. Don't do that. He'll get the big head. He'll want to get God's glory. No. Nope. You just, you just poured water on somebody's blessing. They got some glory this morning. They, they talked about heaven. You're going where? I'm going to glory. Well, if you don't, listen, sharing God's glory is not only good, it's necessary. If you don't share in God's glory, you're going to hell. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you to share the glory of God. You don't take his glory, he shares it with you. When you go to heaven, you're going to have a new body. How are you going to get a new body without the glory of God? Because the one you got ain't good for anything. Come on. Prove it to me, Brother Jerry. Well, I just so happen to have a few things to read you. <laughs> there will be trouble and distress, Romans 2, 9. For every human being who does evil... First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. What did that say? It said glory. In Christ, you do not fall short anymore. There is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When you get Jesus, you don't fall short anymore. Jesus is your glory. Romans 8, 17, now if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also may share in his glory. Don't tell me I can't share in his glory. The word of God said I can. Y'all all right? I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy or comparable with the glory that will be revealed in us. In us. Can I just say it's already started? Yeah. Romans 9, 22. What if God, choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy who he prepared in advance for glory? Even us whom he also called not only for the Jew, but also for the Gentiles. When you look at the lost world, Paul says when you look at the lost world, it proves the glory of God is in you. 2 Corinthians 15, we're going to get here. We sow this body. This is, I mean, this is on it. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead, the body that is sown perishable? It is raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, but it'll be raised in glory. <laughs> Your new body will be eternal. Can you have a new body now? 
You don't have it now. You got to wait till you get to heaven. And Jesus will give you a glorified body. We share in the glory of Jesus. And what did he say? Until then, he proved it by giving you a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. <laughs> I'm about to blow up. I'm going to just tell you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters of stone, came with glory, the law, the scripture, the law, it had glory even, so that the Israelites could not look steadily on the face of Moses because of its glory. Moses' face shone with the glory of God, and though it was fading. Will not the ministry of the Spirit even be more glorious? Do you not have the Spirit in you? You have the glory of God all over you. If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. My glory is not only glorious, surpassing glory. And if what we have was fading away with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? I don't know whoever started that, that we can't share in the glory of God. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says don't take the glory of God. Y'all all right? To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus is my hope of glory. Don't tell me I can't have the glory. I've got him in me. That's glorious. To participate in his glory is not just good, it's necessary. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Don't tell me I'm not going to heaven. Well, there's just nothing there when you die. Well, you just go on believing that. I'm going to glory. He called you to this through the gospel that you might share in his glory. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Amen? Hebrews 2.10. And bringing many sons to glory. And daughters, 1 Peter 4, 13. You are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. You all right? 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory. Let me finish up verse 8. Wow. That's a holy hush right there. And by the way, if you didn't know what expository preaching was, that's it. Y'all all right? That's taking the Word of God. Don't put anything in it. Find out what the words mean. Check the grammar and pull it out. Y'all all right? If your preacher's not doing that, let me just help you. He's lazy. Verse number 8. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom, for if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they'd have known it, they wouldn't have done it. How ironic is this? Why this was the mystery, why was the mystery hidden? The mystery was hidden because anybody in their right mind who had known what they were doing wouldn't have done it. 
If men actually knew what they were doing, they would not have, Paul says they wouldn't have, wouldn't have done that. The irony of the mystery is too much for my mind, the human mind, to understand. The crucifixion is how we acquire redemption, yet men did not know what they were doing. If they had, Paul says they would have stopped. God's wisdom is about the plan. People today still think the plan. You're going to hear these things. What kind of God kills his own son? Well, that's the plan. One, one that loves you enough because a man had to die to get your dominion back. That's the answer. See, the Scripture's got all the answers. But in man's wisdom, you see the difference in man's wisdom and, and God's wisdom? How could a loving God kill his son? Well, because his son was perfectly holy, and he was the only one who could bring redemption to keep us all out of hell. That's why. That's how. Amen? The wisdom of a God is the revelation of the plan of salvation. This was not a trick. It was the plan. It's the way it had to be done. You see, here's man's way of thinking. There's man's wisdom. He looks at the plan... And not only, he'll look at the plan. He doesn't understand the plan, but he'll criticize the plan and say, well, I would have done it this way. Well, I can promise you, you can come up with 10,000 ways you would have done it. You bring them to me, and I'll kill every one of them with the Spirit because the way it was done was the only way it could have been done. All right? Now, there's another passage this explains to me, and I'm going to let you go here with me, and I'm going to finish up. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 6. And I'm going to show you another just enormous truth that just just touched my heart so deeply. This is the pain point. Did y'all hear me? Pastor said pain, not main. I said this is the pain point. So if you know the plan, if you knew the plan, listen, let me ask you a question before we read it. If you knew the plan and understood what you were doing, would you have crucified the Son of God? Would you, would you have done it? Would you have done it? Larry, would you have done it? I, if you'd have known, if you knew crucifying Jesus, what was going on, can I tell you, I wouldn't have done it. You wouldn't have either. Is, I would have said, Lord, See, you could, you'd say, no, that's Jesus. I'm not killing God's son. You'd have had a hard time with that. Anybody here would like to crucify? Jeremy Camp's got a song that says, Would you take the place of this man? I'm starting to get a better understanding about that song. I would have rather taken his place than to crucify the Lord of glory. Nobody here wants to crucify Jesus. Anybody here want to crucify Jesus? Let's read the passage. Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. It's impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit. These are people who have heard the truth. They are people who tasted. They were, they were in church. They, heard the, they saw the preacher preach with power and glory. The Holy Spirit touched their hearts. Who have tasted the goodness of the word of God. And the powers of the coming age, if they fall away, to be brought back to repentance. Because to their loss, they're crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. 
See, I never understood that till I read this passage where we're in 2 Corinthians. You see, if you've heard the message today, if you've heard the wisdom and the plan of God, the Bible says if, if they had known what they were doing, they wouldn't have done it. My question to you is, you know the plan now. Why would you walk away from it? If you've heard me preach, if you've seen the joy on the people's faces, the Holy Spirit of God, God has chosen to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart today. What will it take for you to give your heart to Jesus? And if you walk away from him, you're crucifying him all over again. Believer, every time we disobey him. See, nobody a while ago said, I ain't crucifying Jesus. But when we sin and we know the plan, that calls us to a higher level of obedience, does it not? To God be the glory. What a great opportunity. So these people, you say, man, the rulers of the world crucified Christ out of ignorance. After full revelation of God's mercy, men reject Christ. And the writer of Hebrews says that crucifying Jesus all over again. Now, what in the world could be, be worse than crucifying Jesus all over again? I tell you that God's own children make a mockery of the crucifixion by the lives we live. A believer crucifies the Son of God again and again and again. We have idols. We, we have no discipline. We let the culture just pull us away. If he, listen, God is so good to us. So wonderful. Now I want you to go out of here today. I don't want you to go out of here sad because of that. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out of here today knowing and thinking of all the details that had to go in to you coming to Jesus. (laughs) Think about this awesome plan. I mean, I can't think. Just think, in the beginning of time, back to, the plan was already done. God said, one day, I'm going to call Jerry Gray, and I'm going to make him miserable with the circumstances of life. You see, all things work together for good. See, the Lord worked it out. So somehow or another, a 20-year-old guy in Augusta, Georgia, got miserable. I just thought, this can't, this can't be all there is to life. Can't be it. Backed up against the bar. Backed up against the bar, me and my buddy. Backed up against the bar. And nightclub. You know why they call them nightclubs? Men love darkness rather than light. Looking around the room, I saw all these stupid women, all these dumb men dancing on the dance floor. I said, look at these idiots. I thought, they ain't a real person in here. My best friend was right next to me. In Jesus' name, I'm telling you the truth. I turned to him, and at the same time, we said, I mean, in unison, there's not a real person in the room. Next Sunday morning, that was Friday night, Sunday morning, my grandmother called me and lied to me. I missed the bus. I need somebody to take me to church. Okay, okay, baby mama, let me get dressed. I'll come take you. Okay, I'll take you. Sitting where you're sitting, Curtis Baptist Church. Thank God for a man of God in the pulpit. Wore me out from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head. 
and the fear of God poured into my life. And it still took about three months. But I want to tell you, from that moment on, I was so afraid of going to hell. And God began to work those circumstances together. Listen, from eternity past, every one of those things worked together to the day that I said, Lord, I just don't know what to do, but I have to have you in my life. I remember walking down the aisle and taking Dr. Bradley's hand. I was supposed to have been saved when I was seven years old, but don't remember anything about it. But I do remember this. I looked at Dr. Bradley and said, Dr. Bradley, I have got to have peace with God. My heart is in turmoil. I surrendered to Christ. I'm asking you to do the same thing today. For 40 years, I've never been disappointed in him. I've sinned. I've let him down. But I've never been disappointed in him. I'm going to stand right here. If you need to come pray today, just come pray. If you need to pray with pastor, it's not a counseling time, but we can pray together. But if you want to receive Jesus as your personal Savior, if you're watching by way of the Internet and you want to receive Christ today, you don't even need me. You can do it right now. You can say, Lord, made a mess of my life. I'm a sinner, and I want you to save me. Please save me, God. I want peace with you today. I want the circumstances of this great plan, this great mystery in life to come true in my life today. I want to receive Jesus. And listen, you may be a visitor and you say, I've never experienced anything like this. Well, welcome to the kingdom. I will help you. I'm not trying to make a Baptist out of you or a Methodist or anybody else. I'm trying to help you get in the kingdom, okay? And that's all. That's all I'm interested in. And then we want to disciple you and grow you in your faith. This is an invitation at a Baptist church. The reason we call it the invitation is I'm inviting you because I'm not going to come grab you and say, hey, you need to get saved. It's not how it works. This is between you and the Lord, and you come to me, and I will help you. Let's stand to our feet. Father, in Jesus' name.